0: Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. So, let me read this to you. From, I'm going to read this from John. Each one of the gospel writers write this. But John chapter 6, and uh, verse 1, and it says, After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, or Tiberias, the same, same sea. Um, And it says, a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs which he was performing on those who were sick. So why were they following him? Because they saw what? Miracles. Now, you know this, if you ever read the stories of Jesus, you would find this out. That Jesus, because of the great demand on his life, he would remove himself from public at times. And he would go away to a deserted place, to a remote place to spend time with God. That's how he refreshed. That's how he rebuilt himself. You know, I don't know how these people do this. My kiddo, you know, she's like, Dad, all of a sudden she, she wants to watch football now because Taylor Swift shows up at a football game. <laughs> it's like the, the ratings, the whole world, it's all of a sudden NFL is like, wow, man, what is going on? Man, people are loving football. They're not loving football. It's like, and it's no different with, when we were kids growing up, it was Michael Jackson. Before then, for some of you guys, it might have been Elvis or the Beatles or whatever. Fame, though... Very few people can handle it. Uh, i got to give her credit. She's hung in there and held herself together, which is, uh, most people can't do it. I mean, the pressure and the weight of a crowd is enormous. I don't mean showing up every now and then. Jesus had pressure. that We have no idea what that was like. The crowd came because of miracle signs and wonders, and because of that, when it would take place, he would remove himself, he'd go to a desert where no one would show up, and that's when he'd spend time with God. Well, guess what? These folks showed up in the remote place, and they're there now, and they've got out there, on the didn't think about packing a lunch, didn't think about how far he was going out there. Jesus could fast and pray, and he'd be all right for a long time. They're not used to all this, but here they show up out there. They've been following because of miracles, We'll see what happens next. And then Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. And now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was near. And Jesus, therefore, lifting up his eyes and seeing that a large crowd was coming to him. You know he was being holy, but if it had been you and I, you had been like, oh, my goodness. I just worked this week. Now I've got to work again. You know, you, you, overtime. I mean, the pay is good, but I don't want to work this weekend. That, that's what you... Jesus, though, sees the crowd. He has a great just reverence and, and, and respect for, for, the mir- for the wonder that God's working and doing. He just says, he sees the crowd coming. He says to Philip, where are we going to buy bread so that these folks may eat? And this he was saying, watch this, to test him. So Jesus already knew what he was going to do, he says. So I want to just, before we go further, if you ever find yourself in a situation where you don't have what you need to do what it is you need to do, understand it may mean that it's not necessary for you to have what you think you need it's just to trust him that he already knows what he's going to do. And, and I don't, we don't like these word testing. And I don't think God... Listen, the Lord doesn't tempt people. The Lord doesn't uh, put you and set you up in situations to see if you're going to pass or fail based on sin or temptation. Or anything. That's not... God doesn't do that. You, you, the Lord is not tempting you to do wrong. You don't need help with that, believe me. We, we don't need any help from the Lord for that. However, you would have to agree that there are times where God may put some things before us to test our ability to respond to him. I'm not saying he put a sickness on him. I'm not talking about that. But I'm talking about understanding, will we trust him when we don't have what we need to do what he's asking us to do? Because sometimes that's just the way it is. You don't always have everything that you need to do what it is you feel like you need to do. So Philip says to him, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them. For everyone to receive a little, and what he was saying right there, this is not maybe the best English translation. But what he's saying is, listen, Jesus, you know we have about two hundred denarii. That's about two hundred days' wages. They've almost got a year's worth of wages in the Judas must have it probably in the. Well, you think they got two hundred? It may not have two hundred. Philip thinks there's two hundred, but since Judas was in charge, he might only have hundred. You don't know. But this is based on his saying they knew that they had about two hundred days' worth of wages. Well, who's that for? Philip's saying, "Hey, look, we got enough to handle us. Oh, we can go feed us. But there, even if we took all that we had, Jesus, f- for us, surely you're not going to make us use our money to help somebody else. I mean, this is for us, Jesus. Like, don't. We're going to eat when you get done doing all these miracles. We're hungry. We're going to the store to get something to eat. Like you, surely you're not going to take what we have. We brought that for us. They didn't bring anything. That's on them. You, you don't get this inference, of, but it's there. We're not taking our money." to help all these people besides, he makes a great case, besides, even if we spent all that we had and we broke it up into little fragments with all of these people, there's no way there'll be enough for everyone just to have a little crumb. So Jesus, surely this isn't what you want us to do. And so when you read this about 5,000 people that were there, understand that they reference this as the men that were the 5,000 but then you add in women and children on top, family unit, they would have looked at a man not as a diminishing thing to a woman, but they would have looked and said, okay, there's a household, there's a household, there's a household, there's a household. Made it, you know, simplified it. So probably more than likely there's 15, maybe upwards of 20,000 people there. That's a lot of folks. And so he says, surely you're not going to make us do this, right? So here comes Andrew. He comes running over and says to him, Hey, there's a lad over here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? And so, you know, they're very encouraging people right now, right? I mean, they're just really building Jesus up. I'm like, what are we going to do? We're not going to be able to do anything. So, Jesus said, He said, look, have the people sit down. And there was much grass in the place, so men sat down in number about 5,000. So then you add in the families as more. But Jesus then took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. This means he, one of the gospel writers, he gave them to the disciples, and they handed it out to the people who were sitting. So, likewise, all of the fish, as much as they wanted. So they, it was a buffet. You can go back for seconds if you want. They had more than enough. And when they were filled, he said to his disciples, go gather up all the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. Not like people's, like, not if it's been eaten on. He's just saying... Look, get the baskets. No one's eaten off of that. We're going to take that, and we're going to, you know, deal with that. We're not going to waste it. So he says, Therefore, uh, when they filled them all up, twelve baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves which were left over by those who had eaten. And therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, This is truly the prophet who has come into the world. Now, the funny thing is, later on, he'll do uh, other things. They follow him again. It's like a little, you know, they're just following him everywhere he goes. And he finally has to say to them, why are you here now? You're here because I fed you with bread and you want more. And he's basically saying to them, you're, you're following me because I'm giving you natural food. But Moses, uh, by the way, because they thought Moses gave them, you know, the manna. He said, Moses didn't give you manna. I get, I'm the one that sent the, I am the manna. Moses didn't give you anything. He was just one of my servants. He's basically saying to them, you're following me because of what I can do for you is what you're doing. And I dare say, I don't know how many times I've heard this over the years, of contingencies based on what is given rather than faith in Christ. Like in other words, if God doesn't come through for me, then my faith is wavering or I don't hang in with God long enough to see him do what he's going to do. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and we've all had the, the situation before, right? Where you've, you've prayed, you've asked God, you need help with something. It doesn't happen the way that you think it's going to happen. But there's a difference between holding on to faith in Christ and just saying, well, I didn't get a blessing. So God must not be listening or it doesn't work or, you know, why did God bless them with a the new car, not me? Or why did I? You see what I'm saying, right? It's why am I following Christ? Am I traveling around them because I keep seeing him do great stuff and I want that? Or am I following him because he is the bread of life and there is a difference. And so when we go to the Lord and when we're following God, when we don't have what it is that we need and God is asking us to do something that we can't do because we don't have what we need. There's a couple of thoughts I want to share with you about this uh, story is number one. When we're faced with this kind of situation, we have to bring what it is that we have. So. You know, you can say you go look in your cupboards, you go look in your, you know, house, whatever. But what's in? What do you have? Because God always works in partnership with us. There, there's very few times, and I can't say never, but there's very few times. Many, many, many more times, God works in partnership with us with what we do have than what we don't have. Even if it's minute and small, He actually asks us, "What do you have?" With Moses, think about this. Moses says, well, I have nothing. I'm out here in this desert. I killed a man. Now I'm on my own. And God says, no, you have speech. You can speech. And Moses says, I can't speech. I have a speech impediment. I can't speak. I can't talk right. It's not, I don't feel comfortable with that. And God said, I can use that anyway. And by the way, just to show you, I'm going to take your speech problem and that little stick right there. Take that in your hand and we're going to go do some stuff. You got it. Are you kidding me? That's it? David, you've heard, maybe heard this story before, but David and Goliath. Everyone else is sitting on the sidelines scared out of their mind because one guy, who's the biggest guy in the whole bunch, is threatening everyone, saying, I defy the armies of the living God. And David comes along with just five smooth stones. That's all he has. doesn't have anything else. And a slingshot. Well, what is that, you know, up against such a fierce component? Uh, you know, enemy here. Well, it was obviously, it was, it was enough. W- what about Joseph? I love the story of Joseph. Joseph... Uh, though he had everything, he lost it all because of pride and arrogance and goes through a a season of sifting, if you will, with the Lord. And then Joseph has nothing because he is sold into slavery. So what can he bring? You say, well, you have nothing. Maybe you have nothing whatsoever. Watch this. Joseph brings organization to Potiphar's house in so much so that the owner of Joseph says this guy is so sharp. And when Potiphar's wife accuses Joseph of, of a sin that he did not do. He's thrown into to prison. And even in the prison, he brings his organization ability. And what he does, That the jailer looks at him and says, This guy, wow, I'm putting him over some stuff. So even if you don't have anything, what do you have that may not be physical? What has God gifted you with? What can you bring to God? Because you only need to bring what you have. Watch this. Let me give it to you from Deuteronomy 28 and verse 8. Um, I'll put this on the screen for you. You can turn to it if you want, but I want to put it on the screen for you here. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 8. It says, The Lord will command the blessing upon you. So uh, who's responsible for commanding the blessing on your life? Let's say it together. Who? The Lord. So you cannot uh, produce a blessing on your own. It's the Lord that commands the blessing. But watch this. He commands the blessing upon you in your barns. Now, did the Lord build your barns? No. But sometimes it's like, well, we pray for things, we ask God to do something, but it's like, well, if He's going to fill your barn, you might ought to get busy building a barn. Well, I mean, you just know what it's like to be me. And I'm just telling you, whenever I hear people say those kinds of things, well, you don't know what it's like. I hear what I think. Uh huh. And that's why you have nothing in your barn. Because if I feel that way, I'm telling you, the Lord, sometimes we read these things and we think, oh, God just loves us anyway. He does love us. But he works with us. It's not just going to be on him. He's already done enough, you know, if you think about it. But it's your response. And my response is to build our barns or at least put something where we can bless. And he says this, he'll bless your barns. And in all this, that you put your, watch this, hand to. Whatever you put your hand to two then he says which the lord your god gives you he will bless you in the land which the lord your god gives you adam even tended the land adam had to take responsibility for naming animals before the fall of the world for he sinned this responsibility of us putting something in our hands what's in our hand god will bless yes he will but I, it took me a while to figure this out. You know, I started thinking, you know, years ago about this and how that God works with us and he wants to move in our lives. But sometimes we're waiting for this, like, I don't know, this lottery ticket from God. You know, like, oh, he'll just do something great. And he will. But sometimes it shows up in ways that we might not realize are actually God. What's in your hand? What is in your hand? Well, Pastor Jody, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know. We'll start looking. Go and take some inventory. What's in your hand? What's in your house? What do you have that you can use for God? Because God, each of us at times, he'll ask us to bring something before him, whatever's in our hand, evaluate what we, what we have to offer. And maybe you're like this little boy who came in and said, you know, I, I got this, but it's not much. God doesn't need much. He just needs something to work with. Just something small. Very little. Over and over you see this all throughout the Bible. What do you have? The prophet Elijah asked the widow, what do you have? What's in your house? All I got is a little bit of flour and a little oil. I'm going to bake a little cupcake. Me and my kids going to eat it and we're going to die. I mean, she's at the end, man. And the gall of this guy, if it was social media back then, can you imagine a preacher telling a widow woman and her little boy, well, yeah, that sounds great, but before y'all eat a cupcake, make me one first. How dare you? It would have been canceled. They would have, this brother would have gotten rid of, he wouldn't have cared though. He would just swipe left, gone. No more you. Think about this, what if she hadn't done it? What if she would have said, no, I don't, you're, you're crazy, you're a prophet, you're, you're crazy. I'm going to eat this cupcake, we're going to at least eat something and die happy. She would have had nothing. Nothing. The Lord blessed her. There's other places where God blessed over and over with these kind of situations. So the, the, what is the short and simple thing that you have to offer God? What is it that you have that's so small that you think, well, God could never use this. I bet he could. I bet he could use whatever is in your hand. And the second thing that's interesting about this story, so this is what he, he brings a small little pail with a, you know, like a little snack pack from Long John Silver's, not much at all. And then when he comes... Guess what these people have to do? they got to bring themselves to the whole situation too. It's not just that they're bringing something. Okay, God, let's see what you do. huh? Go, God. Well, come on. Let's you know, whoosh, let's make it happen. What are you going to do? He, they've got to bring themselves. So when you came, you can't just bring one thing. What do you got in your hand? You've got to bring you too. It's got to be trust and faith in God. So there's three groups of people here. Think about this. This little boy. Can you imagine the nerve it took him, the faith, to bring Jesus that small amount? <laughs> Thinking they're probably going to make fun of him. Let's just be honest. More than likely, okay, maybe not all the disciples, but you know there was probably a few that looked and thought, whatever, kid, get, we don't have time to deal with you. I would say I bet you he got a little ridicule from a few of them. Because, I mean, what, what can this do? So this boy has to do this. He's also a child among adults. He's faced with that as well. And then, think about this. What about the disciples? We think about this miracle that took place, and it's amazing, but these guys, Jesus says, you know, break it up. Put, you know, what you're going to do. Um, we're going to hand it out feed these people. Huh? I mean, what if it's just this crowd? This is not a, we're not talking about thousands, just small crowd. What, you, all you have is two pieces of fish, five loaves, that's it. And we're going to break it up and everybody's going to get some. I mean, it, you, might, you might make a go of it. But you had to, they had to be like, I can't believe I'm doing this. We're going to get fired. They, Jesus will never get to preach to a crowd again because this is not going to work. And man, I can't believe I'm doing this. I went all the way out here in the middle of nowhere. I had a good deal. I was fishing. I was making money. I was, everything was good. Now I'm out in the middle of this field where everybody can see who we are. Now they all know who we are. We signed up with him and everything was good. The miracles are over there, I'm over there. But for whatever reason, now we get time to this when it comes to provision, it's like God can't do it. But they had to fight through the obstacles of people looking at them like they're crazy. I bet there are people in the crowd that might have laughed at them some when it first started. And then think about this these men, these women, and these children. Now, you know, if you've got kids, how hard it is to keep a kid you know, with you going long enough if they're hungry. But man, my kids get hungry, it's like, Dad, 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 there's a Chick-fil-A right there. Can you just please, Dad, please, I'm so hungry. I mean, you'd think they're just going to fall over and die. You just ate breakfast this morning. People go a lot longer than this without food. You will be okay. No, Dad, I mean, seriously, seriously. And this guy I was a roommate with out in Tulsa, and he had this, he just, country as can be. He had this saying, he'd say, man... I'm so hungry. First time he said it, I said, Well we'll go get some you know go get some dinner or whatever. College students, we could eat for five bucks at an Italian place, big bowl of pasta. I was like, man, let's let's go to let's go to Zio's, get some Italian. He said, Man, man, I'm so hungry, my backbone's gnawing on my stomach. <laughs> no, no, my stomach's gnawing on my backbone. That's what it was. <laughs> I had it backwards. My stomach I said, I mean it took me a minute to go like what? And he would say that all the time. Just so hungry. But you know, you'll make it a day or two, all right? You can make it three days without food. You're going you know, to be fine. You make it multiple days without food. But these men and women, when you got kids, it's hard. They had to stick with him long enough, thinking, well, if you see him do miracles here, he'll do one here too. And here they get started, and they look around going, we've come all the way out here with him. He's led us all the way out here, and now, We have nothing to eat. Now, in case you wonder, well, that's kind of silly. Let's put it in our terms. God, I've served you for many, many years. God, you know I go to church. God, you you know, I did what you asked me to. I volunteered. Here's a good fun one. God, now I started tithing. Now, we all have been there. Man, God, I've been i doing this, and now you got me all the way out here on the edge. Now now what? You see what I'm saying? So th- they were all in this situation together. But tucked away in all these little conversations that are going on is God saying, Listen, bring what's in your hand, but also bring yourself. Believe that God can use you and what you have. Because he works in partnership with you. If you think about this, Moses, yes, he had a staff, he had a you know, stick that turned into a staff, and yes, he had a speech, but before that, he had to approach a burning bush. Was he willing to, to take a step towards God in that? If you think about David, yes, yes, he does. He had Five smooth stones, he's got a slingshot and all that kind of stuff, but before that, before anyone ever saw him, guess what he was doing? Fighting off lions, tigers, and bears out there in the, keeping the sheep safe. No one saw that, but that's what David was doing. He had to trust God long before he ever got before other people. But we got to bring what we have, and we also have to bring our faith to whatever God's asking us to come to the trust in God. And that's this last little thing I want you to hear how so important this is that we have got to bring his word with us. You know, um, The scriptures tell us this, that faith comes by hearing, hearing by God's word. If you want to know where faith comes from, you cannot get it by trying to just, oh, I'm I'm ready today, man. It's not like going before a game. It's not like your team playing on a, you know, thing. You're fired up because they're going to play today and they're going to win. That is not what faith is. You cannot muster up faith. You cannot, you know, I'm ready now. No, you're not because faith doesn't come that way. Faith doesn't come because you got excited. Faith doesn't come because you listened to a great sermon. That is not where faith comes from. A sermon? No, it is not. I mean, believe me, I preached a lot of sermons. Preaching one is not where faith comes from. Just hearing somebody preach isn't where faith faith comes from. His word. That's what the scriptures tell us. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? God's word. Well, then that a sermon? Not necessarily. Not all, not always, because if all you get is one or two verses, like right now in this series I'm doing, I'm only using very few verses right now. But if that's all you get, very little faith going in there. Faith comes when you and I go here myself, and I'm reading it. Uh huh. I don't even know who this guy is, but I'm reading about him today. Can't pronounce that name? It's okay. Keep reading. What God are you trying to say to me? Okay, this is interesting. The more you take a moment or two to read yourself. The Lord will show you something. And he'll put, and before long, then it won't be trying to fire yourself up. It'll just be present. A deeper trust in God because you have faith that comes from the Lord, from his word. But you've got to bring his word. So let me, let me, let me show this from James 2.17. Um, James says this. Watch this. He says, faith, if it has no works, is by itself, it is dead. So it takes both, watch, whatever's in your hand, and it takes belief. So if we come before God, watch this, and I say, well, God, I'm just trusting you, I'm just trusting you, Lord. You know, God, thank you, I'm just trusting you, trusting you. Man, I'm just trusting, and man, I got some faith, and, you know, I'm trusting. Okay, that's fine. But what are you doing with it? What can I do with it? Well, I don't know, that's between you and the Lord, but there's got to be something to put your hand to Consequently, on the other side of it, watch this. If all we say is, well, I'm doing stuff for God. I'm doing stuff for God. I'm busy, 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 busy. I'm busy for the Lord. I'm busy, busy, busy. But you don't believe it. That don't work either. It's both. It's faith and it is good works that we're doing. And you can believe the God to do things, we've got our part to play as well. And to many of us, you know, like with these guys here, can you imagine the doubts that must have been present? Man, listen, if I was a disciple... Yes, you saw miracles. Yes, you saw God do great things. But this is crazy. We're going to feed this many people with, you know, he this point with the water turning into wine, they handed out water. You understand? For them, they saw water. They didn't go like, whew, yes, thanks, Jesus. Those guys said, well, maybe the party's gone on long enough. They've had a few already. They'll never know. Let's just give it to them anyway. Maybe we'll see what happens. The Bible says that as they went, that it turned. The water turned as they went. What if they had just sat around watching the water? Well, it hadn't turned yet. Well, we can't take it out there right now. I mean, there's some of them that hadn't drank anything yet. They'll know. They'll know. We can't take that. What if they had never? See, it takes both faith and working together so let me give you this scripture um the reason i say bring this word because you looking back in in the scriptures hebrews tells us this that these things are written to us as examples so this morning i want you to uh i'm gonna read a a scripture to you from kings that is looking back why it's so important when you find something in god's word in the gospels or the new testament there's typically a parallel to it in the Old Testament, God usually has some story, something there that mirrors what's over on this other side it that you can go back and get a little more depth because these individuals would have known about this story. They would have had a greater grasp of the story when they saw what he was talking about in their time. We hear the feeding of the 5,000 and we just hear it unless you've read this story, you might not see the connection. So in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 42 this is the story of uh, Elijah and the famine in Gilgal, all right? So it says, now a man came, now there was a famine. This is a famine in a region. This is not like, hey, man, you know, eggs are high, so nobody's buying eggs. This is a famine. It says, now a man came from Baal, Shalashah, and brought the man of God, this Elijah, bread, watch this, of the first fruits. Now, did I say there was a famine in the land? I'm going to stop. We're about to wrap up. Listen to me. Did I say there was a famine in the land? There was a what in the land? Famine. A famine. Have you ever had a famine? Don't say yes, you have not. No, you haven't. No one here. I've seen, I've been I've been on the backside of Africa, and I've seen famine in the land. And it is heartbreaking to see it and to leave and come home to what we have and and try to reconcile those two things. Famine is a real thing. It is, it's tough. But there's a famine in the land, and this guy comes from a region and says, I'm going to bring the first fruits, even though there's a famine. Most of the time when things get tough, people get greedy. When things get tight, that's when people pull back and say, Oh, no, 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 I can't, I can't do anything now. This guy, in defiance to his situation, decided, I'm going to be bold, and I'm going to trust God in this. Now, I'm just telling you, this is a very interesting thing to me. He brings his first fruits. Don't you think this little boy was in a sense giving his best? You know, he didn't have to say he had that lunch pail. He didn't have to give it. He could have snuck it under the blanket while no one's looking. and Just tipped off and said, I'll see y'all later. Because y'all are going to die out here. I'm going to eat my dinner and I'm gone. But he gave willingly. He also brought 20 loaves of Barley. And fresh ears of grain in this sack. So, you know what kind of barley you know, the bread the boy brought. And he said, Give them to the people that they may eat. Do what? Give them to the people that they might eat. A whole region of people. And his attendant or his assistant, the man of God's assistant, said, What? Now, there's a famine in the land. Don't you know the assistant's thinking, Whoa, I mean, why would we give it to them? I Mr. Prophet, uh, don't you think it was God looking out for us? I mean, they need to trust the Lord for themselves. I mean, there's probably all kinds of things going through his mind. But he said, what is this? Watch this. Well, <laughs> well I set this before a hundred men. That sounds familiar to the other guys, right? Well, what is this among so many people? They'll never be able to eat. And he says, they shall eat and watch, have some left over. So he said it before them, and they ate, and they had some left over, according to what? The word of the Lord. This scripture that was there, they would have known it. I'm going to ask our prayer, and I mean our worship team to come up front. As they're coming, I want you to think about this as I'm wrapping up today. We're going, to, we're going to worship and pray to the Lord in a moment, but they brought, this guy brings what he has. He could have been greedy and stingy in a tight moment, but he wasn't. This little boy brings what he has. He could have been greedy and stingy in a tight moment, but he wasn't. And all of them, they had to trust the Lord in this. They had to bring themselves to the party, if you will. I could keep this, but I'm going to give this. And they all had to trust. Can you imagine the people in this region in Gilgal looking going, you're going to do what? And this being a famine could have been a mob. They could have attacked them. There's a lot of trust that has to go into play right here. And then he says to them, they shall eat and have some left over. So they did this, and according to the word of the Lord, they had some left over. In the same story, in the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus said, now pick up what's left over. We're not going to let it go to waste. I think probably because, listen, 12 baskets full, um, highly unlikely they could consume it all themselves. Maybe they could. Obviously, they're going to eat too. But more than likely, my guess is, they probably distributed it to somebody in need. More than likely. Because why waste what God's blessed? Use it to bless other people. And the truth is, is it's hard to imagine how God uh, will multiply what we have in life. Because sometimes we look at what we have and we go like, what do I have, God? I mean, what do I have compared to you, O Lord? But God is saying to all of us, what's in your hand?" What do you have that God can use to bless other people with? And the thing that I want you to see this in the areas of faith, instead of always just looking out, God, what are you going to do? God, what are you going to do? God, what are you going to do? Watch this. It's really important to sometimes just to go and look back. God, what did you promise? God, what does your word say? When your kids give you fits, and you're like, man, I I don't know what they're doing, Why? Why are they going this way? What are they doing? I don't understand what's wrong. And, you know, they won't talk to me or this, that. that. You go find scriptures <clears throat> that all of your children shall be taught of the Lord. You go back and find scriptures that say, train up a child in the way they should go. And when they're old, they won't depart. I trust you, Lord, that they're not going to depart from the faith. They may be straying, They may be lost. They may be on a, you know, that a GPS needs to reroute. But, God, I trust you. You're speaking to them right now. You, you go find something. You put your faith, you trust God in. You know? Lord, I, you know, I don't understand what's going on in my job. I don't understand. This guy, he's crazy. I don't like my job. It's not fun. It's just hard. I don't, you know, they don't, they don't. Go back and find places where God says, when you do your work, work is unto the Lord. Well, how is that going to help? Well, if you're working for Jesus, guess what? Get your minds off of this temporary boss and you start looking up to him, your eternal boss. And you trust that if you put your hand to whatever he's asking you to put your hand to, he'll bless what you're doing. But you've got to look back on the promises of God. The key is to look back. So let me ask you this question this morning. Can you recall anything in your life where God's asked you to do something? And you felt like, I am not qualified. I do not have what it takes. I do not have what I need to do what you're asking me to do. But God asked you to do it anyway. It could be as simple as just talking to your neighbor in your neighborhood. It could be as simple as you know God asks you to step out and serve or do something and volunteer or whatever. You, God, I don't have I don't have any experience in this, but God is not going to let up. He won't leave you alone about it. He's going to say, "What do you have? What's in your hand this morning?" It doesn't have to be much. It doesn't have to be great. He's just asking us to be faithful. Use what he's given us in our hand and let him do the rest. Let him start multiplying what it is he's asked us to do. So this morning, I want you to close your eyes and bow your heads here for a moment. And I want to challenge you this morning with the areas of provision, okay? Now, I don't know what it is that you have. I don't know what it is that you are in need of. I don't know what is going through your mind right now but I would dare say that probably in this room there's some of you who need something that and it may not be a financial need but it's something else maybe could be like I said your family could be your kiddos might be you know a relationship might be something on your job it doesn't have to be a monetary thing but all of us at times we're humans and the one thing I know about us as humans is that all of us at times have need Um, it doesn't you know, all you do is get sick one time, you'll realize how you need stuff. It, it's just, we're, we're not the most um, strong creation that God has given on the planet. You know what I'm saying? We're just, we are not. And I think it's because he wanted us to have great dependence on him. So, in a sense, we've been created to trust the Lord. And so, as we sing and as we worship God right now, this uh, this song we're going to sing and worship um, in is all about looking back on the faithfulness of God and other people that you've read about in the scriptures and asking yourself, well, God, if you did this for them, why, would you, why couldn't you do it for me? And so this morning, I want you to stand to your feet and um, I'm going to ask our prayer ministry team. There'll be some prayer ministry team members that will be down front as well. And and they'll be here if you need prayer for anything, and they would love to pray for you during this time of worship but I want to challenge you right now just to get in a posture of worship before God. And whatever your need is, you know, sometimes I like to do this visually. I like to just, as if it's in my hand. God, you know, I got all this. But sometimes, you know, the posture of surrender is, you know, this or this. You're giving up your posture to say, Lord, whatever. You know, I'm here in surrender right now. And I'm asking just for the next few minutes to just surrender to God in worship. So, how do I do that? Well, you could close your eyes, you lift your hands, sing along, but it's important that you engage with the Lord in worship because um, he's present in, in praise and worship. Uh, the scriptures say he inhabits the praises of his people. So in order to praise, you have to vocalize worship. You have to vocalize the goodness of God. And so, whatever posture that is for your prayer, you can come down front for prayer. They'd love to pray worship. But I want you to just close your eyes right now and let's just come before the Lord as we sing and as we worship. God, we thank you that you're here. Thank you for speaking to hearts this morning. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you inhabit the praises of your people, Lord. I thank you, God, that you speak right now by the Holy Spirit to people's hearts. Lord, whatever needs are present in this room, Lord, in Jesus' name, I pray that you would give the peace that passes all understanding that, God, you can meet their needs, Lord. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's just worship God right now. In Jesus' name.
1: Aren't you thankful today that He is the same God that is in the Bible that He is today for us? Man, I am so thankful that He never changes, that He never wavers, that He stands firm on our behalf every day. Before you go today, I want to remind you of a couple things. The prayer partners will be up here after service. If you didn't come up, While we're singing, they'll be here after service to pray with you. Anything that you might need to have somebody agree with you in prayer about. It's really, really important. A couple things I want to remind you about. Next week, we're having baptism. If you haven't been baptized in water and you want to do that, make sure you sign up. I think there's a QR code on the screen you can uh, look at with your phone. Or you can go to the information center, sign up, or do that online as well. Also a reminder, ladies, next Friday... Is the fall event, and I've got specific instructions to tell you what to do. You need to bring a pumpkin, and it has to have a stem on it. So that's really, really important. I was told to make sure you guys knew that today. It needs to have a stem on it, and the dress is very casual. I'm still not sure what they're going to do with the pumpkins yet, but you need to bring one when you come, okay? So as always, we're going to send you out the blessing out of Numbers chapter 6. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you his peace. Thanks so much for being here to hear. Have a great week.
0: If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with
1: a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart, and that's Jesus. See you next time.